It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon, a Tuesday afternoon after the Texas Longhorns in their season in dramatic fashion and a loss to the Washington Huskies in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it is not the worst thing in the world. It's a, a hopeful, a hopeful end of season uh, things. Uh, there was some positives. There were some negatives. There was a lot going on. Uh, in the game, but uh, it's today's show. We're going to give you a lot of recap of the game. Uh, I was uh, on the morning show this morning, so we're going to play a lot of sound from the morning show because uh, I'm a very tired person right now uh, doing a lot of radio uh, in the last 24 hours. Uh, but we're going to play some sound from Hook 'em Up with Ian Robbie, which I was a part of this morning, uh, recapping the game, talking uh, Texas versus Washington here on the Sports Complex today, uh, giving you more recap. Uh, Texas and Washington and the Texas season and the, the future for Texas. All of that is in, as we get through the week, we'll kind of start to unpack it a little bit more, but, uh, a lot of this is coming, you know, right off the edge of watching that game last night. Haven't we rewatched the game yet, but, uh, uh, Rob Babers had already rewatched it cause he's a, he's a lunatic. Uh, we'll get to all of that. Uh, let's start play a clip though from, uh, hook him up with Ian Rob B, uh, this morning, kind of getting into, uh, some of our first thoughts as we uh, got into it about the Sugar Bowl last night. Longhorn season comes to an end last night here in New Orleans. 37-31 final. Uh, the Washington Huskies checked a lot of boxes last night. Longhorns fought to the end, but in the end, it was the uh, the team that played better last night for 60 minutes of football, advancing to the college football playoff. That would be Washington. They will face Michigan, who survived their game with Alabama 27-20 in overtime. Both games, we thought going in, these are the, the most even matchups we've seen in a college football playoff four-team scenario. And, boy, uh, both, both games went to the final play of the game uh, with Michigan getting a big stop after they took a 27-20 lead in their overtime. And they get the big stop of Jalen Milrow. Uh, play call we can talk about that didn't seem like it uh, gave a lot of options. Uh, but in the end, Michigan gets the stop. They will head to Houston. And then uh, the Longhorns had an opportunity uh, to punch in a, a potentially game and go ahead touchdown on yep. um, the final plays of the game and uh, came up shy and uh, uh, so disappointment. We're also talking about the entire 60 minutes where Washington played the better game last night. Longhorns might have been the more talented team that felt like if they could have gotten out of their own way, but Rod Babers really could not do that uh, last night. Too many mistakes for Texas and too much Michael Penix for the Huskies. Yeah, those mistakes were were early, right? Early and often. They started out with with a penalty on offense and a penalty on defense in that game. Yep. Uh thought they may have been pre, you know, kind of just jitters obviously for a team, a young team, relatively young, inexperienced playing uh on a big stage, uh playing a game of that magnitude, but it wasn't actually. It was more foreshadowing of things to come that this team as uh, Patrick pointed out, they were undisciplined and that was one of the advantages that uh, the football uh, culture uh, that uh, that Texas had has really benefited them in that regard in terms of them being a disciplined team for most of the season. Uh, that was not the case in this game. Uh, Washington was definitely the more disciplined team, and that showed. Uh, it showed offensively, defensively. Texas had a couple of coverage busts. Um, as well uh, that we haven't talked about. I don't know if it, that those coverage busts did not make or break uh, the secondary's performance in, in terms of that pass defense. But in terms of the discipline, 
I saw some some undisciplined playback there from the secondary too. Uh, Texas just didn't play their A game, and you got to be able to win without playing your A game. Um, but in this situation, when you're going up against Washington, when Michael Penix um, is playing at you know at, at an elite level in that performance, and when you have two. Uh, receivers who are going to play in the NFL. I think all three of those guys will play in the NFL. Two of them go for 100 yards. And Braylon Trice, who we repeatedly said, you got to have a plan to block Braylon Trice. Got to have a plan to block Braylon Trice. They did not have a plan to block Braylon Trice. <laughs> he ended up with two sacks, a tackle for loss. Uh, he had a forced fumble in that game. I mean, he just went. So in the, in the two times he's played Texas, he's got four sacks. Guys. Texas going up against multiple first-round NFL edge rushers and defensive ends. Will Anderson, Felix Nudike Uzoma, uh, Will McDonald's another one, uh, Tyree Wilson. I mean, hell, Dallas Turner, who they played in Alabama, he might get drafted in the first round. He's another one. None of those dudes came even close to the production of Berlin Trice. No, and I'll go on the other side. I have to rewatch and kind of watch for this, but every time I looked for it, they were doubling to Vondre Sweat as well when you're bringing a four-man rush. And that's why you saw that the safety blitzes and Anthony, and they just trusted that Michael Penix was going to get away from those extra guys coming. But they basically, you know, they let Byron Murphy come, and he made some big plays. But as many times I looked, especially on big downs, they doubled to Vondre and basically said, you will not be a factor that is going to stop us from winning this game. And if Byron Murphy beats us, and if you get another guy and Penix can't get away from then so be it, but we're not going to let him come straight up the middle and bust these pockets on us. Not that dude. Yeah, and, and you know, the, Byron Murphy had a couple opportunities to get to, to get to Michael uh, Penix, and uh, he he avoided it. We talk about his elite w- ability to move in the pocket and avoid sacks, uh, Longhorns. It was just a frustrating night. I think that would be the overall adjective I would put on it. There were you know, so many opportunities to, to get Michael Penix on the ground and force a negative play that he avoided. He's very good at that. We knew going in, but that's frustrating. The penalties were frustrating. The tip balls were frustrating. Uh, and then at the end of the game, uh, even though because, you know, Washington played a pretty high-level game for, for what they're all about, and, you know, the, the muff punt fumble that gave Texas a short field and a touchdown allowed them to have the game tied at the half. That and the, uh, the two-minute drill drive at the end of the first half made it 21 all at the intermission, uh, then, you know, you feel like, okay, third quarter, we got, we got to make some adjustments, get, get our hands around this game. And the two turnovers allowed Washington to really dominate the third quarter and separate. Uh, but in the end, it comes down to, you know, four plays from the 12-yard line. And these will be, you know, plays that will be you know, nitpicked and talked about in Longhorn land for a long, long time. Uh, on first down, uh, Quinn Ewers, when it was uh, complete, threw a quick pass over to Jaden Blue. Uh, his initial target on that play was uh, J.T. Sanders. He was double covered, so uh, I think Quinn did a nice, nice job of getting the ball to Jaden Blue to get out of bounds uh, just to stop mm. the clock because right there you just can't take a negative play. You can't yeah. get tackled in bounds with no timeouts. So to get it to a safe place where Jaden could scamper out of bounds and stop the clock, second uh, down was an incomplete pass, tried to throw a – uh, a 50-50 ball to A.D. Mitchell, which was incomplete. And then, um, you know, incomplete to Jaden Blue uh, and hurried again by that pass rush. Because I, th- I thought on third and fourth down rod, um, I, was, I give credit to Washington in that spot because they brought pressure. They did not let Quinn Ewers drop back in a clean pocket and, and look for a receiver. They got after him, forced him to get rid of the ball quickly. And both the incomplete pass to uh, Jaden Blue and the incomplete pass to Adonai Mitchell, uh, Adonai Mitchell on the final play of the game for Texas was – was, uh, you know, pressure in his face and a uh, better throw probably, you know, ends up as a touchdown. Yeah, it is almost fitting, right, that the one area or aspect of offense that's haunted Texas all season long has been red zone offense. And yep. <laughs> and to continue their season, they had to go down there and they had to exercise that demon in red zone offense. And they couldn't do it. Uh, and we, we saw their – uh, they had a really extraordinary performance red zone offense wise versus Oklahoma State and we talked about how that was out of character we hoped that it was not an outlier or it was not an aberration we had hoped it was them trending in the right direction scored five touchdowns in the red zone 35 points no field goal attempts in the red zone Texas was money in the uh, in the money zone where you need to be uh, that was not necessarily the case versus Washington and that's when they needed it they needed that they needed it uh, in that moment, and I don't necessarily think Sark 
because we know Sark hasn't solved the red zone issue all season long. I think he just kind of accepted that they were bad at it. That's why Burt Auburn ended up being the first uh, team all Big 12 kicker is because they started kicking so many damn field goals, yeah. especially in the red zone. I, I will give I will give him a little out on it that you basically couldn't throw anything short of the goal line in those last three passes. So it was red zone, but you you could you had to throw everything in the end zone because we did he, they did get uh, the Byron Murphy touchdown, mm-hmm. so they were able to score earlier in the game in the red zone. You you needed to be able to do it, you, and I, I think you know with a month being planned for this, I would have liked to seen a, a couple more looks that were maybe a little bit fancier than let's just throw it up to Ad Mitchell and hope he makes a play. Yeah, if you get into that moment, I you know I'd like you to be in the position of hey, if we have a shot to win this. You know, from the 15, from the 10, from the 5, we know what plays we have. And we have four or five different looks, and we can get something out there. And, it, you know, it, you can read if, if Xavier or JT or whoever's in single coverage get the ball. But uh, that was somewhat disappointing because they basically ran the same play that they scored the, first, the other touchdown on. They yeah. said that worked once. Yeah. Let's do it again. That's what I'm saying. They, 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 you tell Sark didn't have any ideas. He was thinking players, not plays. There, he yeah. didn't have any plays, and he's a play guy. He's exactly. a play designer. He's supposed to have a bag. We talk about his bag all the time. It's like Santa Claus's bag. It's supposed to be never ending with all these great play designs and play concepts. And he really hadn't had anything for the red zone all season. And I think ultimately it came back to haunt him because I mean, guys, you say what you want about the Texas offense, and yes, they underperformed. But you you did have a chance. You did have uh, first and 10 at the Washington 13 with a minute 19 left, and you needed to score a touchdown, and you know you needed one badly, right? The the game at that point is what is 37-28. The Washington with the lead, and you had to settle for a field goal there, right? Uh, and yeah, then man. you had, uh, obviously, when you got it back, shockingly, nobody expected you to get the ball back. You got it back. You had it first and 10 on the Washington 12. Uh, with 15 seconds left, with time, plenty of time to try to get the ball in the end zone, and you couldn't get in the end zone. Actually, the first time around, you actually got down to the seven. You had second and four at the Washington seven and had to set up for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Your red zone woes about being 119th mm-hmm. or whatever you are in touchdown percent in the red zone, it came back to hunt you. It's also the reason you lost the Oklahoma game. Yeah. I mean, you, that, uh, that's those, those two. red zone miscues, right? Yeah, well, at that point, you have to, to settle for the field goal on the first drive uh, that we're talking about right there is, is right on, I mean, Rod. I mean, that is you need to punch a touchdown in there, and then if you, you, you let Kalen DeBoer mismanage the clock like he did and his team and give you 50 seconds when it should have been 15, and instead you, all he needs is a field goal, and you, you walk off with a win if you could have scored on that previous drive. And then, you know, with the opportunity after the big Jordan Whittington 41-yard catch, uh, and then a Jaden Blue catch that gets you down inside the 20-yard line, you've got four shots at it. And, again, I, you, I think you said it right. I think they chose plays, players, not plays. And clearly they were, they were trying to take away J.T. Sanders with, with, uh, with bracket coverage and X-Man. And that left A.D. Mitchell as uh, the guy getting one-on-one coverage in those spots. And both times they went to him, one was, uh, was incomplete. And then the, the fourth down play was there. I mean, if Quinn had had a little bit more time to step into that throw, I think it would, you know, a little more of a bullet pass would have been that back shoulder that we talked about. And in the end, it was uh, up too high, and the defensive back was able to, to jump and knock it down. And that's how the game ended for the Longhorns. 37-31, frustrating night here in New Orleans. Longhorn season comes to an end. Washington now 14-0, and and they will play um, Michigan for the national championship. Speaking of that, Rod, before we get to your first rant of the morning, what do you make of uh, of the Michigan Alabama game? Obviously, Michigan, you know, scrapped from seventeen thirteen down, got the got the lead, got it to overtime, and in the end, uh, they made a play in overtime with Blake Corum's seventeen yard touchdown run. Alabama was unable to punch it in with Jalen Milrow. And uh, speaking of play, uh, play calls, that's one that I think Nick Saban would like to have back with Tommy Reese with Jalen Milrow from the uh, the three yard line. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't understand that play call. When you got, you know, a weapon like Jalen Miro, you would expect for, you know, the Alabama offense to want to force Michigan to defend every element of his skill set. And the thing that makes him most dangerous is when he drops back, not only do you have to defend, to defend the pass because he can throw it, he's a quarterback, but he's a lethal runner, maybe the fastest guy on the team for Alabama. And he's got some power to his running, right? He isn't, he's not necessarily an easy guy to bring down in the open field. And for them to just kind of go with an old-school quarterback in interior design run just didn't make any sense because you didn't force Michigan to have to recalibrate and defend multiple concepts. They defended one concept. We got to defend yep. the quarterback running. That's easy. And then it's, so it's, it's, you know, go see ball, hit ball. 
Um, it should have been, oh, see him drop back. We got to defend in coverage. Oh, he has multiple options. Oh, he could go jump pass. He could run and throw all those different things. Give him the give him the football on the move. Uh, you know, flood one area of the field. Let him run to that area. Give him the option to run a throw. They didn't do any of that. That was a peewee league play. It really was. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. That was that was the Sark. We want to be able to run the ball when yeah. they when they know we want to run, and you can't do that on the game oh. deciding play like that. And not against a Michigan defense. No, they're, that they're, played that bullied you the whole game. Yes, that's the that's what they want. They want that style of play. Come on, man. That was yeah, bad. Uh, well, we we knew these games would be you know tough and tight and uh, evenly matched, mm. and they were. And uh, in both cases, you know Michigan wins on the on the final play of the game. Washington wins on the final play of the game. Um, good stuff. Uh, well, frustrating stuff for the losing teams, but good stuff on the winning side. Hey, let's get to Rod's rant at 7:15, the first of two this morning. We're going to hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up. We hear from some Longhorn players as well, including Quinn Ewers and Ad Mitchell. What did happen on those final series and that final play that didn't allow the Longhorns to get a game-winning touchdown? But first, let's get the first rant of the morning. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, well, you've done it, it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Obviously, that's a lot. I think that uh, I could rant about, but I do want to say that uh, this team. Um, made me a believer, though, this season. I did not necessarily think they were going to be contending for a national title. I thought they'd win a Big 12 title, a national title. So I'll admit they made me a believer. Sark also made me a believer, too, that Sark has got what it takes, that championship DNA um, this season. We've seen growth from Sark winning the battle. Like I always, you know, uh, I was really confident in his ability to win the battle of game plan and preparation which actually I'm not sure he won in his game. <laughs> um, and, but what I, I think I was highly critical of was his um, inability to win the battle of adjustments, the chess match within the game. This season he has shown the ability to win both, the battle of game planning preparation and the chess match within the game. That being said, I do think he maybe lost both <laughs> in this contest. Uh, and simply put, I just think Texas got all coached. There's nothing wrong with that. It happens. I mean, you're not going to be perfect. This happened to everybody. Hell, Sark, Sark outcoached Nick Saban earlier this year. <laughs> it happens. Um, but I, I think he got outcoached, and I, I do think in, in, in a couple of different areas here. But first of all, can we discuss why the hell is Killen Robinson returning kicks with a cast on his arm? What? Why? Yeah, I don't I, – I didn't get that either, Rod. I mean, I understand maybe it's a culture thing, but – Yes, we, that kind of summed up really the game plan for me too. It's like that didn't make sense. That that really didn't make any sense at all. And after he, he dropped one of them early on, and and had to you know gather it up and then try to run, they left him out there and let him do it again. And he just kept leaving Keelan Robinson out there with a cast on his hand to catch punts. I'm like, what well, guys? He can't catch anything with a cast on his hand. That made, I don't know. I, I don't even know. I, I, Longhorn fans, I think, were so frustrated. That was like one of the minor things they were frustrated Yeah, that's with. a month to prepare and wishful thinking. Yeah, right. <laughs> you had a month well, to prepare and that was it? Come on. Well, remember, to start the game, and early, Jaden Blue was returning the kickoffs and was doing a real good job. I mean, he brought, him, brought the first couple out across the 30-yard line, and then it was Keelan Robinson back there, the, the senior with the hand injury, suffered here in New Orleans. Uh, in a workout, and yeah, that was that was questionable. You and I talked about it in the in-game watch, Rod, when there was a a fourth and short situation in the first half, no. uh, and and Texas, it's you know, Kalen DeBoer, it was fourth and short of, in their deep in their own territory. Kalen DeBoer came out to go for it and tried to draw Texas off sides, and you know they were going to go ahead and punt the ball, but saw that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were not on the field. Um, they saw Trill Carter and. Uh, and, uh, you know, Vernon Broughton at the tackle positions, well, said, all right, well, if they're going to keep those guys on the field, let's go back out and run it. And they did. They got the first down. That's <laughs> questionable. I'm not sure why you don't have the, the Outland Trophy winner and the uh, right. the All-Big 12 defensive lineman of the year in a game on a fourth and short that could have been a critical game-changing play. If you get a stop there, you know, you've got the ball in a short field going in and a chance to, to, to seize the momentum. So, yeah, th- that was questionable. Um, the play calling in the it, it, from the 12-yard line with four 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 shots was questionable, and you know. But in the end, I you know I just went back and watched the the Ad Mitchell incomplete pass rod on the final play. 
again. And it was D.J. Campbell who got beat uh, off the rush, and uh, that allowed uh, defensive lineman to get into Quinn Ewer's face. I mean, that, that play was there. It really was. A.D. Mitchell was, was open and had the ability to catch the ball. Quinn has to deliver a better ball, but they also got to block it a little bit better up front. Um, you know, so give Washington credit. You mentioned Braylon Trice earlier, Rod, and, and the impact oh. he had on this game. I know you did as well. I mean, this guy, if Michael Penix was the – you know, the MVP on offense, without a doubt, with his 430-yard performance is one of a, just an elite performance by him, high-level throws, avoiding the rush. Uh, Braylon Trice ended up with five tackles, three for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, he was a game wrecker, Rod, and that was the guy. And the Longhorns didn't have a game wrecker on their side of the ball. No, that's a, and that's a great uh, point. I mean, Braylon Trice, <laughs> I thought they would have a plan for him, and I think they did initially. Um, that plan was ineffective, uh, yep. especially considering what he did last season against you. He also had two sacks uh, versus Texas last season. And um, did he have a forced fumble? Did he have a forced fumble in there too? He did. Yeah. yeah he did. Man. He, he got credit for the forced fumble on the uh, – the, the C.J. Baxter uh, wow. fumble uh, in the start the second second the third quarter. Yeah, all of their first round guys showed up, uh, and I think Braylon Trice will be will sneak into the bottom of the first. I don't know how he's going to test. He may end up being a second round guy, but he's got first round kind of potential. Michael Penix, Romeo Dunze, Romeo Dunze, uh, all those guys had huge games. Uh, okay, real quick, this is something that kind of it grinded my gears. It upset me a little bit because I mentioned this several times leading up to the game. How last season against. Uh, against Washington in the Alamo Bowl, we didn't see a lot of Sark's creativity. Uh, his game plan lacked innovation. Honestly, it was a lazy, kind of boring game plan just because it didn't even have uh, the variety of personnel groupings in it. There was no two tail- tailback sets, no 6-0 line package. This game, he actually broke it out in the script. So I'm not, I don't know if he's been listening to me, but uh, he's been listening to somebody over there who's giving him the, some great data about two tailback sets and pony packages because after last season, he didn't use it. This season, even with Jonathan Brooks being hurt, even with Keelan Robinson being out uh, offensively, even though you got him back there returning kicks, even with those guys being unavailable and Keelan Robinson being your most explosive uh, uh, threat in the backfield, Jonathan Brooks being your best overall player in the backfield, Post Bijan and post Rojo, two tailback sets, pony package, steal your most effective, most explosive, and most efficient personnel package all season long. Highest yards per rush, highest yards per attempt, highest yards per play, and highest explosive play rate. You guys have heard me talking about this for the last two years, so I'm sure you're tired of it, and I'm sure it has made its way up to Sark somehow. I guarantee somebody's brought it up because somebody out there has got to be listening. In his opening script, and by the way, did you hear the update that Sark scripts now is his first forty plays? Did y'all hear that? Wow. Did you hear that on the on the broadcast? No, when I do the in-game watch ride, I turn the sound almost all the way down so I could just talk and talk through it. But oh. no, I did not hear that. Sark, I, I, I might have had the the Longhorn Network okay, Craigway okay. call on some, well, some I, of that game. Yes, too. Uh, no, you guys, that's right. You should. I did my rewatch this morning, um, so I basically didn't get any sleep. Did the rewatch this morning, and the woman on the report, the sideline reporter, I forget her name, George, is it Katie George, something like that? Uh, she said Sark scripts his first 40 plays of, of standard <laughs> standard downs, basically, uh, for the game. First 40. Remember, it used to be 20. He said it was 20. Yeah. His first like year and first two years. So he's went from 20 to 40. He that, wow. go go listen to it. She had. To, I'm gonna try to go get the excerpt. But she said, I remember because it stood out, and it was like four in the morning. I was like, what? I wasn't sleeping because now I'm riding a high of no sleep. I'm just <laughs> you know just pulling all nighter. And she said he scripted in forty plays. I'm like forty plays. That is highly irregular. And I don't know. That's a little bit. That uh, may be a little bit too extreme. I'm not, I don't even know if you need to be doing that. I think you need to be focused on being better at adjustments in the game rather than scripting 40 plays. But I digress. That's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset about the two tailback sets and the pony package because I've been say, telling you guys for the last year and a half, it's the best personnel grouping that Sark utilizes and deploys. And I've gone on rants about how this is the case all across football. Even gave you guys a quote from Nick Saban saying it's troublesome for him because teams don't play up against it. He remarked last season that uh, Tennessee lined up in an I formation and he had to call a timeout because the defense didn't know what to do because they hadn't seen it. They don't see this. They don't see two tailback sets in practice. They don't see two back sets in practice at all. And that's why the, the channel runs it in the NFL and it gives a lot of teams, it gives them a lot of grief because they just don't have practice against it. 
and it's very unique, even though it's retro, it's an old school concept. Well, the new spin on it is, you know, put two tailbacks that they're not a traditional fullback in your 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. So for Texas in this game, they came out, I believe it's the second drive of the game, if I'm not mistaken. We were watching the game together, E, uh, so you may uh, correct yeah, me on that. It was the second drive. It was the second drive. Second You're drive right of the that. game. They come out running the pony package on the entire drive. They're just running two tailback sets. It's beautiful. I mean, I feel like I want to play the genuine song. It's my funner. <laughs> Let's do it. I feel like we should play that in the stadium next time they run the pony package. They go down, they score a touchdown. Guys. They ran, I believe it was seven plays. They averaged 10 yards per play, essentially, on that drive, running the football and throwing the football. And then we don't see it the rest of the game, but two plays. The entire game, rest of the game. Guys, they averaged over 10 yards per play. Got to play the hits. Play the hits. 13 and a half yards per attempt, you averaged, running the pony package. I mean, it was it's just as – is just as productive and just as efficient as it's been all year long as it was last season. Guys, last season it was your best personal grouping, yards per attempt, yards per play, yards per rush, and even in your – I take it back. It was not yards per rush. It wasn't yards per rush, but yards per attempt, yards per play, and explosive play rate. And that was the case in 2021 when you looked at yards yards per play and yards per attempt. So it does track, even post Bijan and post Rojo, I've been throwing it out there, and I know Sark, he understands this because he used it in his script. Early on in the game, he saw the effectiveness of it. He saw it. Seven plays, right down the field, touchdown, and he didn't run it again, basically, but two plays the entire game. I don't know why he won't play the hits. I've been saying this forever, guys. He won't do it. He does, he does not like to play the hits. I'm sure at home he doesn't eat leftovers either. I don't know why <laughs> Sark won't just use and just get to re, you know what I mean? Go back to a good thing. It's a good thing, man. Oh, it's just a fridge full of good just, old yeah, leftovers. He just throws out, just throws out really nice stuff from the steakhouse. He never, he don't like leftovers. He don't like leftovers. He don't like syndicated show. He don't like reruns. He don't like any of that stuff. He don't watch any reruns. Everything's got to be new for Sark. Brand new. What's your favorite movie? Only seen it once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is happening He's here? He's opposite of Joe Missoula. Can you guys <laughs> Seriously, can well, you guys explain this? I don't I will my, I will my, tell my, you this. I will tell you this real quick. Texas ran 36 offensive plays in the first half. Four of those were punts. So if he scripted 40, he went into halftime with some left. <laughs> Yeah, and they only ran they only ran seventy some plays for the game, or I think right at seventy oh. uh, for the football game. Come on. Well, look, I mean, again, I'll defend Sark a little bit on this. That uh, I think I do think the third quarter was going to be his way of, of establishing the run game and trying to use that line of scrimmage advantage that they had. But they only ran five plays in the quarter, uh, and you know his his running backs both fumbled the ball. Um, you know that that cost you the opportunity to establish, and by the time you got the ball back, you were down 13 points because your defense couldn't stop Michael Penix, and all of a sudden you're trailing 34-21 uh, with, a, with a touchdown and two field goals, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're in a deep hole in the fourth quarter. So uh, you know, only five third-quarter plays don't allow you to get to much in that spot. Got to hold on to the football, but I, I do agree with your overall point, Rod, with, uh, with for, Sark. For, for, I will say this, though. First half, taking quarterback runs out of it, taking the Byron Murphy run out of it, and taking the two-minute drill out of it, all right? Let's look at quarterback – let's look at, sorry, running back runs, traditional runs and handoffs in the first, in the first half. Guys, they were averaging eight. <laughs> they're trying to go with eight yards per rush. But yeah. they're just handing off the ball to running backs. Throughout the game, Baxter and Blue were at 6.8 yards per rush. So before he had an opportunity, before the players had an opportunity to blow it with those fumbles, and then obviously Sark is insecure about the running game after that and probably dis- a lot of distrust in his running back room at that point, and I totally get it. Before that, though, He's dominating on the ground and had a chance to play keep away, and he did not because it's in his nature. What I tell you about the scorpion and the frog, I've been saying it for, it's in his nature. He wants to throw the ball. And you know who, who knows that? Defensive coordinator from Washington. He wants to throw the ball. Let's, let's force him to do something he don't want to do, which is run the ball. They gave it to him, as Patrick said. He didn't want to take it. You know, only uh, only 18 true running plays are handed off to running backs. They did hand it to Byron Murphy one time, but only 18 on the night. And the Longhorns uh, lose by 6, 37-31. We'll keep the show rolling here as we keep rolling on the sports complex here on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back on the Sports Complex here on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we're going to get you back some more sound from Ian Robbie this morning. I was joining the show, uh, so we're playing you some more sound from that, recapping the Sugar Bowl, Texas ends its season, uh, losing to Washington 37-31, to but a great effort from Texas. We'll get into more of that and some more of the, the recap of the game here uh, with some more sound uh, from Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B this morning. All right, obviously uh, we're still discussing the, uh, the fallout, if you will, the, uh, the post-mortem, the, uh, the autopsy of Texas loss to the Washington Huskies. A lot of different things uh, that I think we can break down, um, and I think there are a lot of uh, different variables that led to Texas losing the matchup. One thing that you know, I pointed out uh, earlier this week, and I've been talking a lot about it, has been um, you know, what I saw and what I recognized in the in the Alamo Bowl last season with Texas and Washington. And something Sark did that I thought was pretty interesting, and, you know, for the most part I thought it was a vanilla game plan, and I thought it was kind of a lazy, cocky, arrogant game plan. Sark just thought he could go in and, you know, push Washington around. Uh, that was not the case because uh, they didn't have the running game to do so. This year they had actually some uh, of the running game, but uh, Texas got behind. And as Sark mentioned, they really had to uh, abandon the running game for the most part uh, because they were playing catch-up. But one thing they did really well in this matchup, and you probably noticed it sporadically throughout the game, that they also did in last uh, in the last game versus Washington – and I brought it up. It was the, probably the most successful concept Texas had in the game versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Um, it was they ran a lot of empty formation. It was the most empty formation they had run all season long. That's when you have no running backs in the backfield, just a quarterback. Um, and Quinn Ewers looked really comfortable in that Alamo Bowl running empty formation. Now, a lot of the time, I think it was out of necessity. Necessity is the mother of invention. Your running game wasn't working. You were averaging less than three yards per carry. Uh, post Bijan and Rojo. Um, and X-Man had the hurt hand. I think Sark just put all of it on Quinn and decided, hey, Quinn, I need you to go to win us the game. It was also one of the first games where Quinn decided to run a little bit. He had a 12-yard run out of empty formation. So Texas uh, was completing, or at least Quinn was completing, 87% of his passes out of empty formation last season in that Alamo Bowl. Um, you know, you had a uh, first down rate of, of over 25%. Um, so they got, got first downs. You were moving the football out of empty. And I wondered if Texas, if Sark, would bring it back. Would he play the hits? We know he doesn't like to play the hits. He's against it um, because it was something that was really successful. It hasn't been a staple in Sark's offense. I have pleaded um, on these airways and other airways that Texas should use more empty formation. It does work well with, well, at least I think hypothetically it should work well uh, with Quinn's skill set. But it actually, unfortunately, I think for Sark, he gets upset with Quinn because Quinn's inability to work through progressions quickly, um, it ends up hurting him in empty formation because Quinn – he gets sacked and empty, and you're not supposed to get sacked. In. I think he's had five sacks in empty formation this year. Just so you know, sack rates, NFL, college, and even here in Texas, they usually drop out of empty formation. That's why Quinn's coming back to school. That's why he's coming back, I think, to uh, evolve his game and develop that part of his game so he can get through progressions quicker. 
and so that when he gets to his second and third progressions, he is still consistent in his mechanics, still consistent in his footwork, and that's not the case. Usually by the time he gets to his second and third progressions, Quinn's footwork is a little erratic. He's probably moving around in the pocket way too much. The mechanics get a little bit lazy, um, and that's what happens when he goes deeper into the progressions. When he's on his first read, priority read, that's when he's great. And empty keeps you on that because empty is easy to identify the matchup advantages across the board because there will be plenty uh, because most teams don't have the personnel to match up with your guys across the board. And teams are only going to play man against it. Most They're going to play man to one side or zone the other, or they, they'll zone the entire thing, or they'll go zero coverage. They, there are only two or three ways you're going to play empty formation, and everybody knows the ball's coming out quickly, especially if they decide to blitz or they outnumber you on the offensive line. Most of the time they won't do that, but they may decide to blitz to, to force the ball to come out quickly. My point is, it should work with Quinn, but it doesn't. I think that frustrates Sark. And that's also one of the reasons, sidebar, that uh, Texas, I think one of the reasons why their red zone offense struggles. Because red zone also speeds up the internal clock, and it speeds up the progression of the quarterback. Why? Because your windows are smaller. So as you get through that progression, you don't have as much space all right, for route development as you do when you're, in, you're going in between the 20s. Everything is constricted down there in the red zone, which means everything happens quicker. Forcing Quinn Ewers to get through reads quicker, I just told you, that's a challenge for him because it seems like the mechanics, everything suffers. He becomes more erratic. So anyway, my point is it should work, but it doesn't. But it worked in the Washington game again. And I said maybe it's Washington's scheme specifically that allows you to exploit them out of empty formation. And even though Quinn has been inconsistent out of empty, even though he took a sack, the first empty damn snap they ran. I was, I was doing the in-game live watch with E. He gets sacked. He was like, oh, they're running empty right there. I know you're going to be excited. I was like, ooh, they're running empty. It's going to be exciting. And he gets sacked. And he does that because he holds on to the ball a little bit too long. And even pre-snap, I don't think he identifies the matchup that he wants to go to. Truth is, A.D. Mitchell was probably the matchup on that sack he took in empty. That was the matchup he probably should have went. Now, Braylon Trice did just beat the brakes off of Christian Jones on that play. But the ball was supposed to come out really quickly. And if he was anticipating that, there's a chance that he could have bought himself a little bit more time and found A.D. Mitchell on the quick out because he was open on the quick out. And there's somebody that's going to be open all the time out of empty formation. So what I went back and, and uh, documented was empty formation for Texas in this game and the last game. This game, you had 80% completion percentage out of empty formation, 92 uh, total yards, three explosive plays. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the plays, you go look at the Jay Witt play. The Jay Witt play, the great catch at the end of the game, empty formation. <laughs> and Jay Witt ends up with a favorable matchup. So in the last two games versus Washington, which it sh maybe it was game plan specific, maybe it was matchup specific against Washington and not necessarily about Quinn's skill set because it worked last season in Alamo Bowl versus Washington and Quinn wasn't necessarily great out of empty formation then. Um, and then this season, even though I think you should have run it more, Empty formation worked, even though my numbers track that's, that Quinn hasn't been great out of empty formation for all the reasons I just listed. So in the last two years, you go look at it, you got Quinn now uh, upwards of 80% completion percentage out of empty formation in the last two years. 11 over 11 yards per attempt out of empty formation versus Washington in the last two years. Five explosive plays, so you're at a... 30% explosive play rate, meaning 30% of the empty formation plays that you've run versus Washington the last two years have resulted in explosive plays, runs, and or passes. See, sometimes Sark is too much of a moderate when he needs to be an extremist. Same thing about the pony package. He was moderate thinking, I'm going to sprinkle it in. Nine, ten plays here. And that's all I'll need. No. When you find that it's working, become an extremist. Run it till they stop it. Run it and ram it down their throat until they stop that concept or they allocate resources to do it or they, they overcommit themselves to do it, leaving themselves vulnerable elsewhere. And that way you can anticipate what their adjustment is going to be and then you can better win the, chat, the, better, the, the chess match within the game, right? And he's not doing that. He's not winning that battle of adjustment. At least he didn't in this matchup. Just like in the last Washington game, those, there are certain concepts. He didn't even use a two-tailback set versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. At least he used it this season uh, in the semifinal, and it was great, actually. You had one of your best offensive drives of the game running that pony package. You should have ran more of it, though, because you're too moderate. 
offensively. I need you to become an extremist at times with your offensive philosophy, and I don't think he is. I think he's uh, overly concerned with balance and overly concerned with, you know, sometimes sprinkling in enough variety. When you find something that works, just run it into the ground. And Sark never does it. That's why he doesn't he doesn't play the hits because he likes everything to be fresh. To hell with fresh. All right? Let's get effective. To hell with fresh. Rod Babers behind the burnt orange curtain. Longhorns fall 37-31 to 31 was your final score. Somebody on the text line as you were talking, Rod, said uh, first progression quarterback, kind of like on the weird throw to Jaden Blue uh, from the 11 or 12-yard line. Look, uh, I'll just say this. I didn't hate that play. I know a lot of – I saw it on social media. A lot of Longhorn fans were not happy with that. The Jaden Blue play on first down really was a smart play because J.T. Sanders, you just heard Sark say it in the press conference, was double teamed. That was the primary read. And if you're a one, maybe two progression quarterback, which Quinn Ewers is right now, Rod, that was not a bad throw because you can't take a sack there and you can't you know, let the ball get tackled in bounds. So the little swing pass over to Jaden Blue allowed him to you know, dance out of bounds and gain a yard, uh, but you stopped the clock, which was the most important thing at that point with 10 seconds to play. Uh, the next couple of plays were the ones where you can kind of get frustrated. And this is what you just said. I agree with uh, everything you said, but, but most about is Quinn Ewers is coming back to school to learn to be a second and third progression quarterback. Uh, but at the end of the day, Rod, on a frustrating night at the Sugar Bowl and at the, uh, the, the Superdome, the play on fourth down, if Quinn Ewers just throws it to the pylon, right, just throws it to the front pylon, a little more of a bullet throw, not the fade, it's probably a touchdown because uh, A.D. Mitchell had man coverage, he had inside leverage, and all, I mean, if you throw it to the pylon, he's going to be able to keep his feet in bounds and get a touchdown. That's the frustrating part, that even on the one read, if he makes a better throw there, the Longhorns might win this game and might be playing for a national championship next Monday night. Yeah, it's a good point. The back shoulder fade uh, was definitely a better option on that play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, front pylon. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he got the guy behind him. He's got to come through him or and interfere with him. Uh, but, again, it was he had pressure in his face a little bit. Those are the things that Quinn Ewers has to clean up and get better at, okay. big picture. Uh, Michael Penix has already done that. And Michael Penix made very few mistakes last night. And uh, uh, his team is going to play for that national championship at 14-0. And we'll keep rolling right along here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. Uh, we're going to play some more for me and Robbie where I was on this morning talking about Texas versus Washington and uh, keeping the show rolling here on the Sports Complex. It's uh, more from this morning's Hook'em Up right here on the Sports Complex. Uh, good season. A lot to, to enjoy from 20 and 23 into 2024, but obviously disappointing outcome last night for the Longhorns. And uh, the bad taste in the mouth here on a, on a Tuesday morning is the, the mistakes that were made. And I have to give Washington a lot of credit sometimes, and I think all the time in sports, you're going to have a winner and a loser. That's the thrill of victories. That's the, uh, the agony of defeat, they say. And that's how the, uh, the, the, the games go. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. But what you hate, guys, is uh, when you don't you know, put forth maybe your best effort. The Longhorns fought. They were gritty. They were tough. But we're playing uphill all night, uh, chasing Washington, trying to catch up, it felt like. And in the end, their own mistakes. They had ten penalties to five. Uh, they had the two big turnovers. And I felt like when we were talking about guys about not getting in rhythm offensively, give credit to Washington. If you go back and uh, rewatch the game, early in the game when Texas was trying to get Quinn Ewers into a, a passing rhythm, I give Washington a lot of credit, Rod, for getting their hands up and knocking balls down. I mean, how many early passes? I think I, caught, called, you know, I counted four early in the game where the, they didn't get pass rush on Quinn Ewers, but they got their hands up and they knocked the ball down uh, and forced incompletions. A couple of those looked like they were going to be completed passes for Quinn. So first, early on, it was knockdown balls. Texas adjusted that. Then it's penalties that the Longhorns can't get out of their own way. And then in the third quarter, it's the two fumbles uh, that, that gave the ball and, and allowed Washington to dominate the third quarter and build a 13-point lead. Those are just, you know, give, give credit to your opponent, but at the same time, mistakes made by Texas uh, mounted and the Longhorns had to play from behind the whole game. That's a great point about the pass deflections. I believe overall uh, from defensive front guys, I think there were five pass, de- pass deflections from the front seven. Um, overall yeah. throughout the game, which, which is a lot. And you're right, a lot of those happened in the first half because we were doing the in-game live watch uh, on the On Texas Football uh, YouTube channel, and you remarked about it. And I think it was a it was their way of defending a lot of the RPO stuff. They, they did a great job of self-scouting, and they did a great job of – and I always talk about how you have to 
anticipate the uh, the game plans and the adjustments of your opponents. You have to anticipate how they're going to attack you. You should know yourself well enough to go. Well, if I'm playing me, I I would do this. <laughs> this is I know how I know I'm what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. If I was playing myself, this is what I would do. That as a coach, you have to have that kind of man in the mirror evaluation and ability to self scout. And I think they did that. And and they they knew that. And Patrick mentioned it. They knew Texas was going to try to uh, throw the ball on early downs, right? Uh, they kind of recognized that, so they they aired on uh, the side of coverage on early downs. Gave Texas the run uh, with the uh, I think the knowledge of knowing your opponent. We talk about you know sometimes you don't play the hand, you play the man in poker. It happens in football too. And yep. the, the defensive coordinator, even last year when they played Texan Alamo Bowl, he remarked that he did not believe Steve Sarkeesian had the patience as a play caller to march down the field with the short underneath passing game, that he was going to take his shots. And when he take his shots, if you defend it really well, it'll put Texas behind the chains. And he was, he was somewhat right about that old Sark. Um, this time, I think he's tested Sark's patience in a different way, getting back to what Patrick brought up. Hey, I'm going to give you the run. I don't think you're going to take it, though. I'll give it yeah. to you. I don't think you're going to take it. Not the whole game. Not you. Not the guy who likes the spectacular, beautiful, um, you know, the, uh, uh, my, you know, mind-blowing, eye-popping plays uh, that make SportsCenter and all the great highlights of all these, this misdirection and pre-step moving you put together and all these great weapons. There's no way you're just going to hand off the football and play old-school Michigan Big Ten football. That ain't in Sark's personality. Sometimes you play the man and not the hand. Because Texas got a better hand than Washington. They decided to play the man, and I think it was a wise decision. I thought Sark would just run the football early on when they when you were averaging over six yards per rush after the first but two, three drives offensively and averaging less yards per attempt than you were per rush. I thought, all right, Sark's definitely going to adjust. He didn't. No, and, and I mean, especially throwing the fact of, you know, being down and, and constantly chasing Washington throughout the game. You, you, ate, you know, Kalen DeBoer knows he's, cause he's not going to – He's going to chase us with running. Mm-hmm. If he's up, he'll run the ball. So I think if, if Texas ever, you know, got that seven-point lead or got a ten-point lead in that game, then, you know, Kalen DeBoer is going to have to change that defense. But in the fact that he's ahead, he, go, he goes, I know what Sark's going to do. He's going to throw the football on us because he's going to want to come back and get back in this game quickly mm-hmm. and make a big impact play. And they just were able to, to play the hand. And, and, you know, we could say over and over again, you know, you have to take what they give you. And they did enough of that in the air throughout the game. But, you know, if you're averaging that, the the, the average of runs, it it felt like, I don't know if Sark just didn't believe that any of those guys could carry the ball 20 times if he didn't believe that Blue and and Baxter could get 20 carries in the game each. But that other than that, I don't really know why you completely shy away from it points and, you know, continue to put yourself in longer positions where then you had to throw the ball and now you're completely behind the chains. Yeah, that's another yeah. thing too. The third and longs guys, they were just I, – I, I swear I was a broken record on own purpose uh, the, the month leading up to this game because st- watching, watching Washington film, the one thing that stood out was how good they were on third and long. And I swear I said it to everybody who would listen to me speak. Stay out of third and longs. This defense is yeah. really good on third and longs. That's where they shine. That's where they show exotic looks, simulated pressures, amoeba fronts. And what did they do? Got Texas in third and long, simulated pressures, exotic looks, amoeba fronts, ghost fronts. They threw it all at Texas over and over again, and Texas couldn't solve it. I believe Texas had – 11 third downs, and they threw in that fourth down they went for it too. So you're talking about 12 money downs. Guys, over half of those were third or fourth and longs. Yeah. Seven-plus yards to go. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, penalties a lot of times on Texas. They were creating those third and longs. Uh, there were some negative plays in there that uh, for the Washington force. that Because you know, Washington checked those boxes. You know, this is our what the facts segment typically on a normal hook em up. And uh, the facts are Washington checked the boxes. You mentioned it, Rod, in behind the burn orange curtain. They hit four of their seven deep balls. Also got a pass interference call on there. So for me, that's five. They, they were going to test you with the vertical plays. They won that box. They had the fewer penalties. Uh, they had more negative plays forced. Braylon Trice played a heck of a game yeah. uh, and forced the Longhorns and, and played in the backfield of Texas, which Texas was not able to do to Washington. And then, yes, I mean, the third downs, the Longhorns were four for 11 on third down. Washington was only three for 11, but they hit so many big plays. Uh, they hit so many explosive mm-hmm. plays down the field with Michael Penix 
that it kind of made up for uh, not being great on third down. Uh, all those went in the advantage of Washington in this game. And you add all those up again, it's a, as we've said, it's a, it was amazing that the Longhorns had a chance uh, with three downs from the 11-yard line to win this football game. True. Um, I mean, they, they really um, you know, scrapped and clawed and fought their way to be there. They were kind of their own worst enemy. I'll also say this. I know there'll be a lot of folks, and you guys are already talking about the lack of running game. I, I can't – the penalties in the first half were killer, and I felt like the, the two turnovers – and this is maybe the first time, guys, we've – since he was hurt in the uh, TCU game that you, you felt the loss of Jonathan Brooks where you didn't yeah. have mm-hmm. that lead running back. And, mm-hmm. and these are young backs, and, and the two fumbles, they didn't even come on, on real hard contact. You know, those are fumbles of just ball security, basic ba- you know, running back ball security uh, where, you know, C.J. Baxter – is breaking free, and he gets hit from behind. Ball comes out. Jaden Blue's fumble actually came. He hit Gunner Helm, hit his tight end. Kind of a butt fumble situation where <laughs> running into his own blocker led to the ball being dislodged. Those were critical, and as we said, it allowed Washington to control the third quarter, uh, 22 plays to five, take a 21-point game and make it a a 13-point deficit for Texas. And I do feel like, uh, you know, Patrick, that was – to the point of the adjustment, okay, we can run the ball. They're going to give us the run. I felt like Texas wanted to establish the running game in the second half. Next thing you know, there's two fumbles on the ground, and you're down 13, and you, you kind of have to abandon the run to maybe get back in the football game. Yeah, and, you know, you've you got to play what, you, what they gave you. And yet the, the, the fumbles, because you did try and run it, and Washington came out and had the right plays and, and was able to get through, and, you know, you do want to have, you know, that's something you have to teach with your guys. And we saw short choice on the sideline with Jaden Blue talking to him and just trying to get him. And I think Jaden Blue had a really good game. Uh, I mean, other than that fumble, he had a really good game. He had, you know, he had that one big drop and then a huge catch at the end of the game. Uh, but it was. It was just not being able to put them all together in the in the row you need to put them together uh, consistently. But, but you know, you can't, you can't come over it if you're not going to run the ball on first down when – Hey man, let's get us. Let's get. In, they're giving us six yards of carry. Let's get into second and short, and then we have passing downs. We then we can throw it twice. If we need to, but you know, once we found out that Quinn was not hitting those passes the way he needed to early in that game, you need to adjust quickly and and let Quinn be who he's been this season, which is someone who can bounce back. But don't but don't try and sugarcoat it for him and go. No, we're going to keep putting you out there. You're you're throwing the ball too low. You're getting everything tipped at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, so that's some credit to the defensive line for sure. But I think it's also, if you're Quinn, you have to know, okay, they're jumping on everything. Really make sure, get out of the pocket sometimes, go find what we need to do, but don't allow to just get in those third and longs. Those third and long and fourth and longs, that's what you can't allow that to happen. when you're, And you can't allow that to happen when you're averaging six yards of carry. That's what's crazy is averaging yeah. six yards a carry and continually being third and long. That's those two yeah, things. Don't go it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, all the frustration where you're kind of playing uphill and swimming upstream the whole yeah. game, and uh, it came down to the last play of the game. So uh, that's that tenacity. That's that grit. That's that uh, fight the Longhorns have, and that was mm-hmm. you know part of the character of this football team. But in the end, too many mistakes and too much Michael Penix leads to the second loss of the year and the end of the season. Sun coming up here in New Orleans. I'm overlooking Canal Street here, guys, from the uh, media headquarters here on on Canal at the Sheraton Hotel. You guys are back in the Horn headquarters. I want to thank our, our presenting sponsors and travel partners at Hayes City Store and Taste on Main. Uh, we'll head an hour or two with more from the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.